Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Today we conclude our series, Questions for Jesus. We ask, He answers. Let me just take a little poll here. Who has ever prayed to God in the name of Jesus regarding an issue and had God answer through Jesus that prayer? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's important that we remember when we gather in that name of Jesus, that we are making a public declaration of such facts. Your physical presence here is a declaration to others. Never forget that, of just what you raised your hand about, that you serve a God who answers prayer, that you have found Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And so, grateful for the opportunity to conclude this series today. With that being said, I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, if you want to follow along. Of course, now you should be in the new habit of understanding that the sermon cards are available through digital means. You can find that, Facebook, Instagram, Bible app, etc. If you want to follow along now, or of course, go back over key points throughout this week regarding what we're going to look at today. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who are in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to teach a message today titled, What is God's will for me? Question mark. What is God's will for me? Let me pray. Father, I thank you that the name of Jesus is a name above every name. And in that name, I pray that your peace, Lord, of your kingdom would come. That you would find us in a posture and a place to hear from you, to receive from you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would apply and enforce the kingdom of God. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I was 20 years old. I had recently walked away from playing college baseball and transitioned to, uh, transferred to a Bible school. I had finished my first year at the Bible College, but had just moved to get hands-on ministerial experience. At the time, there was a willingness in me to go wherever the Lord wanted me to go, to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do, to be whatever the Lord called me to be. Now let me say quickly along that comment that willingness is an important characteristic. In fact, it is a must in this age when it comes to the kingdom of God. But willingness without clarity 
is just half of the mental and emotional battle in regards knowing what the will of God is. And at the time, there I was 20 years old, and there was an underlying and actually sometimes a surface level worry and anxiety and angst, a tension that sounded like this in my mind. What should I be doing? What does God expect of me? What is His will for me? Now as I've continued to follow Jesus Christ for decades since that point, I can now look back and in God's light have understanding of why there was those emotions and and those questions and that experience. And part of the major reason why is that as a person who experienced an upbringing with the willingness to have a genuine relationship with my biological father, but without being able to have one, there was always this element of uncertainty in my life. There was this sense of a lack of clarity, a sense of belief that I was on my own to figure out boundaries. I was on my own to figure out how, how life worked. That I was on my own in trying to figure out what I needed to do from one day to the next or from one week to the next. That, or I was on my own when it came to what I shouldn't do, what was wrong or, or what I shouldn't be doing. There was this sense of not being able to obtain an authoritative confidence about what I did or about what I planned to do. And so there I was in a new city, in a new ministry, sitting on a bar stool at a bar counter in a building that used to be an actual bar that had been turned into a worship and revival center. And I'm sitting there on that bar stool experiencing the questions, what is God's will for me? What does God expect of me? What does God want me to do? What does God want to guide my daily decisions? And as carbon bubbles fizzing up to the top of a Coke bottle, it was like it bubbled up from deep inside of me. From deep inside my belly and popped into my mind the phrase, cease striving and know that I am God. Now while I was in Bible college the first year, I had transitioned to reading from the New American Standard. In fact, today marks a a new season for me personally as I have gotten out one of my three left of this specific Bible that I have taught from and preached from for decades now. And I have retired the brown one and I have gotten out and will begin to use starting today, hopefully for at least the next ten years, This black one, this black one. But I had transitioned to the New American Standard. And so I did a word search to find out if what had just popped into my mind, that bubbled up out of my belly into my mind, if that was a scripture. And sure enough, Psalms 46.10 read, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now I preach and teach now from the New King James Version and in the New King James, Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in 
the earth. See, God exists, and because God exists, He knows His will. Therefore, there is no need for me to be striving to find God's will in a sense as if God doesn't know His will. As if God needed me to discover something that He Himself doesn't already know. Oftentimes, when it comes to this question, what is God's will? We've not yet found ourselves in a posture and a place of what we just saw the psalmist declare for God, of cease striving, of be still. Oftentimes, we are thinking that to know the will of God completely depends on us. Ponder this. The will of God, surprisingly, starts with God. And that's what the psalmist here is saying in a sense. Cease striving. Be still. The questions you have regarding what is God's will for me doesn't start, the answers don't start from you. They start with God. But so many of us don't know God. The God who is, at least. What we know is our warped ideas about God. And because what we know and experience is not God, God who He is, but our warped ideas about God, it makes it hard for us to cease striving. But it is, it is by ceasing to strive. It is by not being worked up in a frenzy that one is able to experience God as God. And then be able to receive from Him what He already knows. When we stay in a place of striving, an emotional frenzy, we're unable to experience God as God. And so the psalmist there declares and speaks to us in that experience, cease striving and know God. This also applies to what so often drives so many of us. Drives our decision making, drives the priorities of our life, drives our pursuits, is the belief that we need to be God. Or that we are God. Or that God's will is about us being exalted. About us being known. About us being famous. But what did the psalmist say? Be still and what? Know that I am God and who will be exalted? God. I will be exalted among the nations. I want to read the entire psalm. Psalm 46 this morning before we transition to our main text. But Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, 
Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. Pause. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raised, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bowl and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Notice the psalmist. Be still and know that I am God. Our main text, Colossians 1, 1 and 2 says Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul was an apostle. An apostle means sent one. He was sent by Jesus Christ as a missionary according to the will of God. Paul was not doing what he was doing because it was the will of man or his own will. Paul was doing what he was doing because it was the will of God for him. However, though Paul was an apostle by the will of God, he did not start off experiencing that aspect of the will of God. When Saul encountered the glorified, risen Lord Jesus who he was persecuting and his people. And he lost his physical sight for three days and his whole worldview was wrecked. His whole worldview and understanding, his interpretational grid for Scripture was wrecked by encountering the glorified Jesus. And he gets born again and he surrenders and submits to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. From that point, from the beginning of him serving Jesus, he didn't start out as an apostle. He didn't start out in his journey of following Jesus, knowing clearly that unique purpose of the will of God for him. And yet here, as he wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, he was clear. He had come to a place in his life in following Jesus where he could boldly, succinctly, clearly state and write, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. This is a reminder to you and I today of how we start doesn't have to be how we finish. This is a reminder for you and I today that what we start doing doesn't have to be what we end up continuing to do. 
that the business or the career that we started in doesn't necessitate the career we must end in. Now when Paul here says an apostle by Jesus Christ and by the will of God, this isn't in regards to God's will for every person. Paul here is speaking about something that is not regarding God's will for every one of his children. Paul here is speaking about God's will specifically for him. Now some of you, the questions you currently have, may fall into a similar category of what Paul is speaking about here. Not questions regarding what is God's will for every one of his children, but questions regarding or related to what is God's specific will for you. Maybe it's questions regarding your family. Maybe it's questions regarding your specific job and career. Maybe it's questions regarding what city to live in, what spiritual gift that you have in Christ. Maybe it's questions regarding whether to buy a business or sell a business. Maybe it's questions regarding to start that business or to transfer. And when it comes to these questions that are not related to God's will for every one of His children, but specifically to God's will regarding you, what I have found is that one's ability to rightly hear and be led in areas that are not related to God's will for every believer is greatly affected by and connected to a believer currently living out God's known will for every believer. I'll say it again. What I have found is that one's ability to rightly hear and be led in areas that are not related to God's will for every believer, is greatly affected and connected to a believer currently living out God's known will for every believer. So with that being said, I want to cover three, everybody say three, of the clearly revealed aspects of the will of God for every child of God. You say, why is that important? I have questions, Pastor, regarding my God's specific will for me. It's important because of what I just said. That I have found that people to hear and know the answers to those questions greatly dictate are they aware of and prioritizing and living out first God's clearly revealed will for every one of His children. Paul writes to the young minister Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1. You can follow along. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1, he says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Notice here Paul says first that it that we all should pray for those that's in authority. In fact, I know a man, I know believers who have prayed for President Biden the same level they prayed for President Trump. 
And I know a man and believers who have prayed for President Biden and President Trump the same that they prayed for President Obama. Why? Because that's the will of God. That we would pray for those in leadership regardless. Why? So that we would be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. That our prayers would be used of God to influence those in authority to make decisions so that you and I as followers of Jesus can be left alone to serve God in godliness and to walk in the liberty in Christ Jesus. But then he says in verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. So number one, listen, the will of God is for you to be saved. When you think about what is God's will for every person, The will of God is for you to be saved. Notice Paul the Apostle said, God desires all men. He desires all persons to be saved. But notice, to be saved requires coming to the knowledge of the truth. Truth is necessary. Like what Paul said in Romans 10, how can they hear unless they are told? unless someone tells them the truth. And the truth of the core message is important. There is one God and only one God. And there's only one way to be restored and reconciled to the one God. And that's through Christ Jesus. That for mankind to be reconciled and to be restored in a right relationship to the one God, there's only one way, the man, Christ Jesus. That is the truth. Whether it offends us, whether we don't like it, it is the truth. And truth is necessary for the will of God for every person to be done. And God's will for everyone is for them to be saved and therefore the truth is necessary. If there were other ways and paths to be reconciled to our Creator, then why would God send His only begotten Son whose back was plowed open, whose beard was plucked out, whose head was beaten with rods and thorns pierced through his skin where his head was swollen twice the size of a normal human head. Hung between heaven and earth, pierced. If there were many passing ways, then that would have been unnecessary. The fact that God allowed Christ to be hung and crucified between heaven and earth, is God declaring there is no other way. It is only through the one way Jesus Christ that you and I can be saved. And it's God's will for you to be saved in Christ Jesus. So not only is truth necessary, but Jesus is necessary. Because it's through Jesus that grace... God's ability to do for you what you and I don't have the ability to do for ourselves. It's only in Christ Jesus that God's grace is available. His grace to save you, forgive you, and to make you a new creation. Now, for the person who is not saved, God is seeking to use all things towards this goal in their life. For the person who has not yet been saved, who have not surrendered and came under the lordship of the only one mediator, the one who stands between God and them, the man, Christ Jesus, God is seeking to use everything in their life 
to bring about that will of His for them to be saved. Now without this understanding, think about it. As you look around at the seeming, seemingly madness and chaos and complexity of the world and circumstances and events, without that understanding, it is nearly impossible to make sense of all that takes place and happens on the earth today. Without the understanding that God is seeking to use all things to bring the person who has not yet been saved to the knowledge of truth in Jesus Christ for them to be saved. Let me say it this way. All that happens under the sun appears to have no design without understanding he who is above the sun is seeking to save those under the sun. Let me say it again. All that happens under the sun appears to have no design without understanding he who is above the sun is seeking to save those under the sun. Unbelievers experiencing a bankruptcy and losing it all. Unbelievers experiencing a sickness. And their fragile being shaking and trembling with the reality of sickness piercing their body and their life being like a vapor. The tragedy of a car wreck that leaves one disabled or traumatized. A person going to jail, a family member dying that's close to us. All of that seems like chaos. Like there's no design, there's no purpose. When we forget that God is seeking to use all that's under the sun to bring people back to Him who is above the sun through the only mediator, the only way, the person of Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul says. He says, this is the good will of God. The good will of God for every person on earth is that they would be saved. That's the good will of God. It makes me think about the Apostle Peter as he preached the birth of the New Testament church to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 3 and 18 he says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore. Change your mind and change the preference of how you're living. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, this speaks to the question of why do I still follow Jesus? I don't still follow Jesus because the life I desire is guaranteed. I believe that you've lived long enough to experience and to have to wrestle with the reality that the life you desire is not guaranteed. 
I still follow Jesus for a reason other than that I'll be free from all circumstances and events I do not like. Because following Jesus doesn't guarantee that I only face and experience circumstances and events to my liking. So why do I still follow Jesus? Because He's the only way to have my sins blotted out. He's the only way to be forgiven and to be saved. He's the only way to be reconciled and restored to my Creator who formed me in my mother's womb. It's like Jesus when He turned to His disciples after many disciples were abandoning and stopping to follow Him because of the depth of His teachings. And He said to them, Do you also want to go? And Peter spoke up and said, Go where? You alone have the words to an eternal relationship with the Father. Why do I still follow Jesus? Because there's no other name by which Chad Craig can be saved. There's no other way by which Chad Craig can have his transgressions and his sins and the guilt of his past cleansed and forgiven. There's no other way for me to be able to boldly have access to my Creator and His throne of grace. That's why I still follow Him. Because He alone is Savior and He alone is King. So the will of God is for you to be saved. The question then is for every person here today and those that are streaming and those that will listen. Are you saved from your sin? Have you repented? Have you changed your mind about your life? About the reality that your goodness is not good enough to undo your bad, your sin? You can do all the good that you can do, but the good doesn't deal with the bad that you have done. Have you changed the preference of your will to no longer want the priority of your life to be your will, your selfish desires, but God, your Creator's will for your life? Are you saved from your sin? Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1, he says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Secondly, the will of God is your sanctification. Not just saved, but saved and sanctified. The will of God is not just for you to get saved. The will of God is for you to be saved and sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified if that's the will of God? Sanctified means to be set apart. Sanctified, sanctification is being 
set apart from something to be set apart to something. Sanctification is being set apart from your previous life of sin and selfishness and set apart to someone named Jesus Christ your King. It is the will of God for you to be set apart from sin and selfishness and set apart to God's will for your life. This is the will of God for you. Your sanctification. Your setting apart from sin and your setting apart to and surrender Jesus the King. Notice here he attaches, he says that For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. That you and I need to know how to possess and lead our own vessel. Why is the body called a vessel? Because your body is not the real you. James 2 says to be absent, or uh, that the body without the spirit is dead. You are a spirit and a soul. And you live in your body. Your body is your vessel. It is your necessary vessel for you to operate on earth. Just like with SpaceX and all that's taking place, they have to have a special vessel, a special suit for them to operate in that sphere. If you want to operate in the sphere called earth, then you need a special suit called a body. And it's a vessel. And it is God's will for you to learn how to possess and lead your vessel, not your vessel possess and lead you. Meaning that your body don't possess and dictate what you do, but you learn to cause your body to submit and be led by you. This is your sanctification. That you learn to lead your life first. Lead your life first. Now this is very important. Because with all the experts on Instagram and all of the instant made scholars on Facebook and Twitter, it's very important in this culture that you and I, who are a part of kingdom culture, Jesus' culture, don't allow that culture to influence us wrongly, where we seek to want to lead others before we learn to lead ourselves. And Paul says, this is the will of God that you first learn to possess and lead your own life. Your sanctification. Notice he says, how you ought to walk and to please God. You know what this is? This refers to what's called the pleasing will of God. What's the good will of God for your life? That you're saved. What's the pleasing will of God for your life? That you're sanctified. That you're sanctified. That your walk... Your daily habits, your actions all demonstrate that you know how to possess your own vessel and body in a way that pleases your Heavenly Father. Learning to trust and depend upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that God has made available to His children. See, listen, my children are my children. But not all my children always walk pleasing to me at all times. This is the will of God that you're saved, but not all God's saved, all of God's children don't always walk pleasing. 
So the good will of God that you're saved, the pleasing will of God is that you learn how to possess your vessel in sanctification and in honor. Now here's what's amazing and important for you to realize. Every other clearly revealed aspect of the will of God for every believer is concerning the process and how to progress in sanctification. Every other aspect of God's clearly revealed will in Scripture for all of us who are His children, they are all concerning sanctification. They concern either the process or how to progress in sanctification. What does this mean? This is major. Why? Because God's main purpose for every one of His children, and I'm talking about children through the being born again, not everyone He created. We're talking about those that have been born again through Jesus. The main purpose for every child of God is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the pattern and blueprint for the rest of the family of God. And because that's God's main goal and purpose for your life, that's why every other aspect of the clearly revealed will of God deals with sanctification. Because sanctification is the outworking or the moving towards that end goal. Of your life, your thoughts, your mind, your will, your affections, your desires, your emotions that all then empower your actions, your habits, your decision making. That more and more you're being set apart from sin and more and more of your soul, your mind, will and emotions is being set apart to Jesus Christ, your Lord and King. So the pleasing will of God is when you are progressing in your sanctification. So the question then for you and I today is, how are you progressing? Are you resisting? Are you rebelling? Are you progressing? Are you prioritizing God's will for your life? Sanctification? Are you trying to ignore it? Listen, the more your soul is set apart to Jesus, the further it will be set apart from the deceitfulness of sin. Let me say it again. The more your soul is set apart to Jesus, the further it will be set apart from the deceitfulness of sin. So the will of God is for you to be saved. The will of God is your sanctification. Then Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of all peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So number three, the will of God is to offer sacrifices from the fruit of your lips. So the will of God is that you'd be saved, sanctification, and sacrifice. Sacrifice here, meaning the sacrifice of the fruit of your lips. Notice what Paul says. He says to rejoice always. What do you rejoice with? He's with your lips. This is a sacrifice that is well-pleasing 
to your Father. It's save, sanctification, and sacrifice. Giving God the sacrifice, the fruit of your lips, of rejoicing always. You say, wait a minute, always? You don't know what I'm going through. God does. And it's the will of God that regardless of what you go through, you rejoice always. Why? Because you and I walk by faith and walk with the kingdom reality and our foundation to rejoice always is not based on the circumstances we face. What you and I are feeling and going through doesn't change the foundation of why we are called to rejoice always. Well, what is it then, Pastor Chad? The reason you and I can rejoice always is because we're always in the Lord. The reason you and I can rejoice always is because we're always saved. That's why we rejoice always. The blessedness of knowing that God has forgiven our transgressions and our sins and our wrongdoings. The reason we can rejoice always is because we're always in the Lord. Listen, we're not rejoicing always for what's taking place. But because of the place, we always stand in Christ. I'm not rejoicing this morning because of the place or what's taking place in my life. I'm rejoicing because I'm standing in the place of being in right standing with my Creator. I'm standing in the place of being forgiven and being a child of God. Hallelujah. I am forever standing in Jesus, in His grace, and in His kingdom. He says rejoice always. Then He says pray without ceasing. The sacrifice of the fruit of our lips of prayer. Did you know the reason we can pray without ceasing is that we have access that never ceases? The reason we can pray without ceasing is because we have access, entrance, a doorway that never ceases. We have access continually through Jesus. The only way to come boldly before the throne of grace. That's why we can pray without ceasing. Listen, did you, do you understand that everything that happens in the natural is a byproduct of something that first happened in the unseen realm? Do you know that water that can be seen and felt is just a byproduct of something that's already taken place in the unseen. The bonding of hydrogen and oxygen. Did you know that the chairs you're sitting on, the building we're in, at the home you go to, that all those things that are tangible and seen first started in the unseen. They started in the imagination of a person. They started and a person began to plan in the unseen. Listen, when you understand how God's designed the world to work, you understand that everything first starts in the unseen. If you want some things to change in the seen, then you got to understand how God's designed the universe. Everything first starts in the unseen. And that's why then you have a motivation to want to pray without ceasing. Because if you want to see some things in the seen change, then you got to accept and understand everything first starts in the unseen. It starts in prayer and going in the unseen place called the closet and praying to the Father in secret who sees in secret but then begins to reward and orchestrate and move in the scene. Hallelujah. 
So praying without ceasing is understanding how God has designed to see change happen. Unseen, then the seen. And then he says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. What is the clearly revealed will of God for you? To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to everything give thanks. And all those three things are directly attached to your sanctification. You're setting apart your mouth that was set on fire by hell itself. That was absolute poison instrument of Satan himself. Satan has got a hold of the tongue of mankind according to James chapter 3 and has used it to direct the corruption of the entire course of mankind through that little rudder right there. And sanctification is when you set apart from sin and Satan and negativity and you set apart your mouth to Jesus Christ. That I'm going to rejoice always because I'm always in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray without ceasing because my access never ceases. And then in everything I'm going to give thanks. You say, you had me until now, Pastor. Now listen, the reason we can in everything give thanks is because in everything He never leaves us nor forsakes us. The reason we can in everything give thanks is because in Him we have everything we need for life and godliness. The reason we can in everything give thanks is because at all times we have things to give thanks for. At all times. The reason we can as His children in everything give thanks is because the Father is so sovereign. He can use anything to move us forward in maturing into the image of Jesus Christ, the firstborn son. Just like a farmer knows that he can use the manure to move forward the harvest and to move forward his finances. Our Father is so great, He can use the messes, the mistakes, He can use the manures of life to still use it to move us forward towards His main goal for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the firstborn. And Paul says, in everything, then give thanks. We're not giving thanks for everything, but in everything we give thanks. We're sacrificing the negative to offer the sacrifice of the positive. Rejoicing, prayer, thanksgiving. And you know this? Come on, man. The more the God of peace sanctifies you, the more the peace of God will saturate you. The more the God of peace sanctifies you, the more the peace of God will saturate you. The more the God of peace is allowed to sanctify your soul, renew your mind, deal with the emotions, deal with wrong desires and affections, the more the peace of God you will walk in. And so I know some of you are here today and you're saying, what is God's will for me in this? God, what is your specific will for me regarding this? Fill in the blank. I desire to know. I desire to hear. Well, let me tell you what Jesus told them in John 7, 16 through 18. It's only when you first will to do His will, regardless of what it is, will you'll be in a place and a posture to then know and hear His will. See, listen, a lot of people get stuck and they can't hear the answer to their questions is because they're not to a place yet 
where they want His will regardless of what it is. And Jesus says, no, when you get to the place where you want His will regardless, regardless of how it inconveniences you, regardless how it's different than the wants and desires you had in your upbringing, when you want God's will above everything else, only then are you in a safe place for Him then to reveal and you know what His will is. Because when you're not surrendered, listen. The voice of God starts sounding a lot like our own. That's what J. Oswald Sanders said. Meaning, people start saying it's God's will and it's not God's will. It's that they're holding on to their will and trying to use God for false evidence to bless what they want to do. Jesus said, no, first you got to will what His will is above everything else. Then you'll be in a place to know. So, you say, God, what's your will for me in this? Listen, you start right here to here. You start right here to here. Start here where? With the clearly revealed will of God. Saved, sanctification, and giving sacrifice. You start here to here you want the answers you want to hear the specific questions you start here you saved are you prioritizing sanctification this is the will of God your sanctification and are you in everything giving thanks are you praying without ceasing are you rejoicing always listen congregation we might not know all that God has in store for us as a congregation as a movement But if we have a congregation where everyone who comes in these doors and continues to come gets saved and all are intentional and engaging in the process of being sanctified and we all live a life of expressing gratitude and thankfulness to the Father and living a life of praying without ceasing, listen, we'll be in a great posture to then be led into specific types of service and ministry opportunities according to the will of God for us in Christ Jesus and it's the same for you individually Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God he didn't start out there but you know how he got there living out the clearly revealed will of God saved sanctification sacrifice the fruit of your lips because why all that happens under the sun appears to have no design without understanding He who is above the sun is seeking to save those under the sun. Understanding the more your soul is set apart to Jesus, the further it will be set apart from the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, that Kentucky whiskey don't look as appealing to me as it used to decades ago. Life of selfishness don't look as as it used to. The more your soul is set apart to Jesus, the further it will be set apart from the deceitfulness of sin. And the more the God of peace sanctifies you, the more the peace of God will saturate you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.